The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. The effects of a near-death experience don't always end when the experiencer returns to the body. In fact, many NDEers return with powerful gifts, uh, many of them mentioned in the Bible, such as healing out of body abilities, psychic abilities, or even prophecy. Our guest today is a man who has had an NDE and has unusual gifts as well. For 40 years, Gary L. Wimmer has been a professional psychic. He gives readings using pure intuition, regular playing cards, and lithomancy, reading stones, and offers profound insights and clear answers quickly and efficiently. Uh, Mr. Wimmer is the author of Lithomancy, the Psychic Art of Reading Stones, and also A Second in Eternity, the true story about his near-death experience the, he had in uh, 1977, one that revealed the unity that underlies all things and still profoundly inspires him to this day. Gary, welcome to NDE Radio. Oh, my pleasure to be with you, Lee. Thank you for the invite. Oh, you're very welcome. Perhaps we could begin by your, your telling us about your NDE. Yeah, it was the uh, most incredible thing I've ever been through in my life. And uh, as uh, part of the IANDS, I'm sure you're aware of that and from your own experience. Um wish I could press a button and give everybody a ride there and back uh, mm. in a different world. It kind That's of uh, came about out of uh, out of nowhere. Uh, I remember back in 1977, I was, um, I've also been a musician my whole life. Um, after touring with a band, I quit the band and... Within 24 hours, I started feeling all this, um, be able to pick up things all the time about people and situations and hear what people were going to say before they said it. And actually, I remember reading the newspaper through someone else's eyes, the headlines. And this mm. just started, uh, from what I thought, apparently for no reason. But it began escalating over the next couple of days and the following week to the point of, um, it was absolutely fascinating, but in the same events rather uh, terrifying because I didn't quite know what was going on or why. I didn't know that there was a button to push to stop it. And uh, long story short, I wrote the book. I divided it into two sections, the eight days prior to my near-death experience and when I was hit by a car as a pedestrian um, and had the experience and came back. I named the book A Second Eternity because I was felt like I was there for an eternity, but I was only gone from the earth for, you know, a matter of five seconds or so. But uh, certainly the most incredible experience in my life, and uh, that's why I wrote the book, to share with others the beauty and harmony. And one thing I learned to tell, to encourage people is to never fear death. It's it's beautiful out there. This is this is our challenge here before our eyes right now here today. What do you re- remember about it, Gary? Well, if anything in my life, it's the only thing I absolutely remember pretty clearly. I mean, it happened in 77. At the time it happened, I didn't even know the term near-death experience. Um, I There was, you know, a couple roommates and friends around me, as, as well as, you know, police and family. It was a rather public episode, and I included the uh, police report in the uh, book. Um, I remember escalating 
over this period of eight days, my psychic and intuitive ability, and I started giving readings way back in the early 70s. So I was used to having slight tinges of psychic ability, but uh, when it all of a sudden just took off, uh, seemingly out of the clear blue, which later was explained to me, the one thing I started noticing at the very first is um, the signs that we see all the time before us in everyday life that we overlook most of the time. Uh, they had profound significance to me all of a sudden. And um, no matter what I was thinking in my internal mind, something in the external world was reflecting it or answering it or symbolic to it. And the, I became more and more fascinated with this connection of the interior, interior world and the exterior world. So reading the signs, uh, seeing things, picking up things, it became very obvious to me by the second day. And it's by the third day, second or third day, I couldn't even remember what normal life was like. It had just completely overtaken me, this uh, intuitive psychic ability that was, um, and it was always right. Everything I picked up was correct. There was a point I just didn't even question it anymore. It was so obvious to me, just completely obvious. Um and like I said, as someone who was given readings in a psychic, I was kind of used to that anyway. But when it went, uh, I guess, from a manageable level, as one does in readings, to um, just like a wide-open book, it uh, it surprised me. It scared me. And after I had the experience, uh, that was a fascinating thing. I remember seeing my body as it hit this car, crashing and stumbling, uh, bumping into the car and breaking the windshield and so forth. But I was instantly outside of my body looking down, looking at it happening. And I started expanding, and this is a fascinating thing. I started expanding. Of course, my body's on the earth. It was my soul, my consciousness, whatever that was expanding. But it actually went out, rather than like an arrow in one direction, it went out simultaneously in all directions like the surface of a, of a balloon. In the, uh, within just a, a moment after that experience, I was larger than the earth, the earth felt like it was going inside my um, point of observation. And I saw the earth from 360 degrees at once. All the, <laughs> it fascinated me. As you could see the whole earth all the way around, North Pole, South Pole, the whole earth. And Wow. Oh, it fascinated me. I thought, wow, how is this possible? And then I realized, well, I'm expanding outward. And I know now that that's how souls come in and go out. It's not a linear line. We think of it that way. But it's actually an expansion from all directions. And the irony, on the other hand, not to shift too quickly, but the interface is with, in my opinion, the smallest of the small, the smallest quantum levels. So the, the, the huge and the small are interconnected, all in the mind of God. But anyway, as I was um, expanding outward, uh, encompassing the planets and other galaxies and then the actual universe itself, and when I crossed the edge of the universe, I defined in the book a, um, I guess, a, a, a spiritual level that I call the colors. It seemed to name itself as such. Uh, and the colors were basically, a, a, I guess, a level of consciousness that we go through when we collapse into time and space to give us the ability to um, read the signs or connect back spiritually and psychically to the infinite mind from which we came. Uh, that's what it felt like to me. The, the whole time prior to having this experience, the eight days of escalating psychic ability, I felt like I was being monitored, being watched by something. I couldn't tell what or who, and I certainly wanted them to appear and explain to me what was going on. 
But uh, backtracking a moment, right before I was hit by a speeding car, these monitors, as I named them, they seemed to name themselves, uh, appeared physically. As I was walking, we're actually racing down a street in, in Austin here. Um, and they asked me if I trust them. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, 100%. And then a second later, I was hit by this speeding car. Didn't feel any pain, but felt this, um, actually saw this shield of protection inserted between me and the car. It actually looked like something about two and a half to three inches thick, like plexiglass. It was about, you know, four feet by three feet, enough to protect my body. And uh, as I was being, uh, as the car was hitting me, I remember the last thing I saw physically was the headlight. And as I rammed into the car, my eyes closed, but the little dot on the retina of my eye, when we look at a bright light, the headlight, turned into the Big Bang. And I instantly saw the Big Bang before I even started expanding. And then it felt like, it was only one of infinite Big Bangs. And then getting back in time, at the same moment I experienced that, I was outside my body looking down at the accident and started this expansion. And when I went outside the edge of this universe, it appeared as just a little dot, like a little star against a star-studded sky. So I became aware that this is only one infinite, the one universe. There's infinite universes and infinite possibilities. And so all these infinite universes that I saw, like a big white sky all of a sudden, I came from one of these little white dots, but I had uh, expanded beyond it. And now I saw all these little white dots of infinite universes and didn't really even feel an attachment to the particular one I'd come from. That's how far removed from time and space I was. But all these universes seemed to form this tunnel of light that people often describe. And I was, uh, I guess propelled through this tunnel of light and one of the most incredible feelings I've ever had. And by this point, I had no awareness of myself or of me or the earth or creation or, or anything. Just pure sensation, the most beautiful sensations one could have. And then it felt like I was sort of projected out of this tunnel of light into this infinite blue space, I guess it felt like, even though it wasn't physical. And there was what I considered the infinite mind of God, infinite love. It's a feeling that I just couldn't, words can't do justice. I mean, it really is the feeling of infinite love. And I realized that I was not witnessing this. I was at one with this infinite mind. And everything, creation, everything that's physical or non-physical, all everything came out of this one infinite mind. And it's almost like it was just imagining itself. And that's what I call God, infinite power, infinite love. There was no division uh, between one thing and another, and yet there was infinite division and infinite possibilities. And there was no contradiction between the two. There was no yin and yang like we experienced on this. There was just one infinite mind, infinite heart, infinite love, able to see itself in infinite forms. And I was completely absorbed in this. And it felt like it went on for an eternity. I felt like I was just revolving around seeing all these different possibilities within the one, uh, I guess, summation of all possibilities. And somewhere in this process, it felt like I was witnessing it instead of being at one with it. And almost with that awareness or that thought alone, I was drawn away from it and pulled back 
through everything I'd gone through, through this tunnel, I collapsing back into time and space with no awareness of who I was or where I was returning or why. All I know is, well, I didn't get to stay there, and I sure liked it. Uh, but the more I collapsed, the more I felt like I had some sort of affiliation with something in time and space. And when I entered this universe, it's like, wow, I've got a connection here. And the closer I got to our solar system, our galaxy, the more I felt like a connection. I didn't know what. And I was a little bit apprehensive about where am I headed? That place I was at was sure nice. Where am I going? Without any awareness that I had actually come from here or been here. And then uh, as I was just slightly above Austin, I suppose, I saw my body on the street and the driver of the car out screaming and terrified and people hollering and and as soon as I saw that, I thought, that's my body, and I jumped back in it. And um, this terrified driver was shaking me. Are you okay, man? Are you okay? Where I had just been, this little car accident was nothing. So I immediately leaped to my feet and tried to ask people if they'd seen these monitors that were watching me. And um, it got stranger and stranger and stranger. There was police there. They took me to the hospital, couldn't keep me in the hospital, I wasn't hurt. Every time someone would ask me what happened, I explained to him what I went through, and uh, I couldn't lie. I mean, how could I possibly lie about what I experienced? It was so fresh on my mind. How would you describe these monitors? Were they like uh, angels or aliens, or did they look like human beings? Well, I actually only saw them one time. I felt them several times as I was escalating do this intuitive ability because part of me was, you know, scared and praying and and at the same time feeling so empowered. It was a very, um said it wasn't like normal life. Within a day or two, I went from normal life to this uh, constantly feeling and picking things up. And I felt these monitors. I felt something watching me. I, I realized that there's an infinite God because I was raised Catholic and I always felt an affiliation with, with Christ and God and so forth. Um, was an altar boy and all that. But at this point in time, it's like something was watching me. Something was checking on me. Something knew more about what I was experiencing than I was. And it gave me comfort. And there's many things during that period of um, the week when I felt them monitoring me that um, I did that are just rather strange. You know, I could sit in a club with a friend of mine and um, with a pool table behind us, and I could tell every shot the pool players were going to make. Uh, and be hundred percent. And yet alive. you, and yet you didn't know that the car accident was coming. I saw of several flashes of things in this week about oh, police and an accident and lights, but I couldn't put it all together. Uh, I just uh. thought, uh, I guess I'm seeing flashes of something else. So yeah, I started seeing premonitions of this days before it happened, but there was so much um, going on right before my eyes. I mean, a stranger could walk by, and I could tell everything about this person's life. And it was like unsolicited, and it was like, uh, okay, I realize I'm, you know, like everybody, I have a certain natural psychic ability, but God, uh, um, I guess, what's the word, accelerated to the point beyond the absurdity, you know. But I did feel these monitors, and that's what you're asking about. I didn't yeah. know what they were, but I knew they were heavenly, angelic, and I seem to put the name monitors on that because they seem to 
imply that we're monitoring you. It's okay. Uh, like when I, guardian you, angels. Yeah, what, no, like guardian what Catholics angels. would call guardian angels. Absolutely. Know. One thing I realized is we have more guardian angels than we can even believe. We've got so many positive spiritual guides and entities waiting to help us, but we have to ask and be open to it. And at the time, I did ask these monitors to appear and explain this to me. <laughs> this is getting pretty heavy, guys. Um, <laughs> and they finally did, actually. After the incident, eight months later, they explained it to me, um, which was equally as fascinating as the trip. But the time I did see them in the um, at the 3,000 block of Guadalupe on February 7th, about 7.45 p.m., 1977, they appeared and they were, uh, what I noticed is that I, I was uh, terrified and I was praying. And, you know, praying to God, God, this is too heavy. I can't deal with this anymore. What's going on? And I felt warm all of a sudden. I mean, incredibly warm. And the whole, the fear that I'd had just disappeared out of a clear blue. And I looked up and I saw this light shining down. And I was amazed. I look at these people in the street who were who were observing me crying in the middle of the street, walking down the street, terrified. I mean, there was a lot of witnesses to this. Uh, they didn't see it. And I looked back up, and then it appeared this light was actually coming down from the palms of the hands of these seven entities. And they were dressed in sort of like gray robes, off-white. Uh, they were Their faces went from black to white, like pulsating, without any features. So I couldn't actually mm-hmm. distinguish a face, but their energy was just um, oh, absolutely so warm, so so uh, protective. And they basically they basically asked me in one uniform voice. They all spoke with one nice, warm, soothing voice. Do you trust us? I said absolutely. And then I started saying, "What's going on with me? What's what's this going on?" They said, "You will soon find out. Do you trust us? Absolutely, yes, yes." Of course, people on the street see me talking to an empty star-studded sky. You know, they can't understand what's going on. And I've, had I observed myself, I probably wouldn't have either. You know? So, yeah, they appeared as... <laughs> now, I, I, I've got another question in my mind, Gary. And that's, you said that the soul comes from all different directions. And there are some people that think of the whole universe as being uh, a consciousness, you know, that everything has a has a consciousness to it, and they re, they equate that with God. Now, do you suppose that our souls come, as you said, not linearly, but but uh, from all different aspects of consciousness down to one point? Absolutely, absolutely. We all come from the only source there is, the one infinite mind, the one infinite loving God, infinite creativity, infinite power. And speaking of that, it either exists as it does, and everything exists, or it wouldn't exist, and nothing would exist. There's nowhere in between. So it exists in infinite power, and yeah, we all come from that same source, by free will. As it says in the Bible, God created man as likeness in his image. You know, and in all human experience, all experiences throughout the universe are basically God seeing itself in infinite ways. But as far as how we get to this point in time and space... Yeah, we actually collapse in from all areas, from this infinite mind. And when we enter time and space, this is my appraisal. Someone else may disagree, but I feel like we collapse from the so-called edge of the universe, which which when I crossed that edge of the universe seemed like a, um, 
like an abstraction of a point of view, not something that's actually physical. It seems so physical while we're here, but once I went over that edge, it seemed like, wow, that whole thing is just a thought, <laughs> you know? Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it felt like we did collapse in, or I did collapse in, in all directions, and I went out in all directions. And I assume, I can't prove, but I assume that that's a process that souls take because it gives you an impression of all time and space until you center right down into the... Um, in my case, and in the cases, as in your case, Lee, you return to the soul, to the body you're in, but at birth you mm-hmm. go to a, a body you've chosen, and it's an agreed-upon contract and so forth. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it is a collapsing inward. You know, it's interesting, too, that you said as you expanded outward, as you were going into this, that you were becoming, it sounded like more and more uh, ego-less, that you were less Gary Wimmer and more a part of the of the universe. Absolutely, it was soon, pretty quickly after the expansion. It seemed like right after I remember seeing the Earth from all 360 degrees at once, the North South Pole and every continent. Actually, looking at it from all angles at once, it seemed like soon after that I had no. I mean, I did see some things about relatives, people I cared about. They looked like blinking lights on this, um, as I describe in the book, the web. I kept feeling this web before I went there that everything is connected, everybody's connected. Uh, and I actually saw the web when I got out of my body, and it looked like blinking lights, like radio towers. And I saw my family, and then I saw that they knew other people, and, everybody, and all of a sudden the whole international web of all souls on the earth who'd ever been here, ever will be here, were all interconnected. And by that point, right, right after that point, as I'm expanding outward, um, I, I forgot about being me anymore. There was no more a Gary Wimmer who had lived in Austin and so forth. There was just sheer, um, I guess, sensation. A beautiful sensation. Beautiful. And when I had this in 77, I didn't know the term NDE. My friends, my family knew I went through something pretty strange, but I didn't, I couldn't really elaborate on it because I wouldn't have believed me either if I'd have heard someone else telling this. So I could easily understand why people wouldn't believe me. And that's probably the biggest shock I got when I came back is, wow, here I am on Earth. I just got hit by this car. I'm not even hurt. I know what I went through. But the first thing I realized is nobody's going to believe me. And that's cool. It was about 10 or 15 years later when people started writing more about NDEs. And I started learning, oh, I'm not the only person that went through this, (laughs) which which gave me a sense of relief because I then explain it and i wrote the book and i've got six brothers um when i gave them all the book they were all astonished you went through this i said yeah mm. that's what i went through i know it didn't take too long now to gary how <laughs> how did your uh, psychic abilities develop after this accident well i one thing i clearly realized and i still use to this day consciously all the time is the fact that there's signs around us all the time all the time. I actually look for the signs in everything all the time, not to the point of driving myself neurotic at all, but being very peaceful and realizing that the universe is always giving you symbolic information if you open your mind to it. It's there whether you want to see it or not, but if you choose to see it, you're lining yourself up with um, the consciousness that brings us to this planet. And the understanding of why. So the universe is always talking to us. And I learned to read the signs better. I learned to... Uh, and how did you... 
How, how did you happen to start using stones as a way of interpreting um, things? Well, I was raised Catholic, and uh, w- when I went to college, 65 to 70, um, I met a couple people there who were um, very uh, psychic. One lady did an astrology chart for me and told me I had a lot of natural psychic ability. In fact, told me I'd probably end up doing it for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm a 19-year-old electrical engineer at the time. But what she told me fascinated me. And she turned me on to Edgar Casey and Madame Blavatsky and a bunch of other psychics. I started reading about this these folks. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Austin in 1970 and uh, met an astrologer here and she read for me and said a lot of the same thing that this lady told me several years earlier. And she said, you got a lot of natural ability. You could develop it. You ought to give readings. So I started learning to give readings in the early 70s. And in 1980, I met a lady named Alice Warhol who did a reading for me with this method that I now use called lithomancy. And it's reading patterns of stones. Uh, and whether you use cards or stones or whatever your method is, it helps you center into this particular niche instead of all the niches that are out there. It's like using a, a telescope as opposed to uh, a wide-angle lens. You know? <laughs> so uh, this lady, uh, Alice Worrell, taught me this in 1980, and I was fascinated by it, and I started using it as my main system. And to this day, I use it... Um, I did a little bit of tarot cards, a little bit of palmistry, but I felt more attached to lithomancy because it's um, very unique. Nobody else uses it. I wrote a book on it, as you mentioned, trying to let people uh, know that there's um, a whole new system. And ironically, just kind of interestingly, when I went, when I was in Europe, I lived in Europe from '93 to 2000. Uh, I was performing over there and giving giving readings, and um, I wouldn't always have my stones with me. But it got to be, a lot of people knew that I gave readings, so sometimes they'd ask for readings. I wouldn't have my stones, and I'd make say, well, I can't do it. And then finally I thought, no to hell with that. Come on up to my apartment. And I had them set up, these salt shakers, pepper shakers, a, a trinket, an ashtray, a guitar string, anything they wanted. Put it on the table in some order, and I'll read that. And I, because I had no doubt that I could do that. Just like when I was going through my psychic experience in 77, I had no doubt what I was picking up. I've never been so uh, doubt-free. So I put myself into that space, and I'm not near as psychic as I was in that one week, but <laughs> that one week was too much. I, could, you know, I couldn't deal with normal life. Now I can. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I started reading whatever the uh, people would set up on a table, just like I was reading stones. It's all symbolism. If you read, learn to read the signs and see symbolism, you'd be surprised what you could pick up about yourself, about life, about what you're curious about. You know, there's no limit to how much the mind and spirit can pick up. There's a limit to how much pizza we can eat, how long we'll live. But no limit. <laughs> you can grow psychic. <laughs> well, if you if if you're doing a reading for someone and you have these stones, do you have them arrange them, and then do you are you reading the pattern that they create? No, basically, if I do it in person, they drop them. I show them approximate height so they don't land in one pile or all over the room, which is, you know, about six or six or seven inches. And they drop into a piece of leather that's, uh, oh, about three feet long. It's tied in circles, so it makes a circle about 14 inches in diameter. And I read the pattern like mm-hmm. a clock. When I do it over the phone or over radio shows, like I'm on Blog Talk Radio tonight on Psychics Gone Wild, I read short readings for people, they say drop, I drop the stones for them. 
That's the same way I do readings for people who, um, in most of the readings I do are over the phone. And I practiced about 15 years ago. I was curious if I could do this over the phone. I called three people that I'd given readings to. They knew I was fairly good at it. So I said, I want to test and see if this system will work. And I invented on the spot a system. You say drop, I'll drop for you. It worked for the first three people. I thought, why question it anymore? It works. So I've used it over the phone uh, for 15 years that way. So in person, they carry it over the phone. They say drop. We're we're getting short on time, and I was going to say if if you uh, if you would like to uh, encourage people to contact you about this, I, I, um, how would they go about doing that? And also, how would they go about getting your books? Well, they could go to uh, Amazon or Kindle, look for A Second in Eternity and or Lithomancy, The Psychic Art of Reading Stones. You can locate me by going to lithomancy.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-M-A-N-C-Y.com, lithomancy.com. You can find me if you Google Gary Wimmer, G-A-R-Y-W-I-M-M-E-R. You'll find my home page or my psychic page. I'm also an actor and a writer and a musician, but uh, most of my work is my psychic work. So you can find me if you Google Gary Wimmer or lithomancy.com, and you can certainly go check my books out on Amazon and Kindle. Right, and they'll also find you at our uh, IONS convention in San Antonio uh, over Labor Day weekend. That's correct, and I'm honored to be a part of that. from September 3rd to 6th in uh, San Antonio at the Marriott Riverwalk. Hope all the folks come Yeah. Me too. I, I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, uh, hey. My thanks to Gary Wimmer. Yeah. <laughs> thanks again. Um, be sure to look for uh, Gary's books on Amazon or Kindle. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about INS, please check that website at iands.org. There will be more information on that site about our upcoming Labor Day weekend conference in San Antonio, Texas, on NDEs as rites of passage from September 3rd through the 6th. And Gary will be a presenter there, and I look forward to seeing you all there as well. So thanks for listening.